Psalm 42 says, As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? My tears have been my food day and night, while men say to me all day long, Where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I used to go with the multitude, leading the procession to the house of God, with shouts of joy and thanksgiving among the festive throng. Oh, Heavenly Father, our, our souls are thirsting for you. Lord, it's been so long since we've been able to meet together and in your presence in your house. And we're so happy to be here in your presence today. Father, we want to shout with joy. We want to give thanksgiving that we can come into your presence. And Lord, we're, we're not here just to meet with each other. We're not here just to sing. We are here to meet with you. And Lord, we thank you that you delight to meet with your people. So Father, this afternoon we come into your presence with joy and thanksgiving. And we give you all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise. Because you alone are worthy. Thank you, Father. We are going to sing, as it happens, as the deer pants for the water, but we're not going to sing it now because I just want to keep us praising God, focused on praising God. Uh, this one has the chorus, I am he that liveth, that liveth and was dead. Behold, I am alive forevermore. 
Uh, we thank Jesus for all that he's done for us.
So we will pick up the theme of the two readings that um, Nigel and Andrew shared with us as we sing, As the deer pants for the water, so my soul longs after you. something which I want to bring which is a little bit irreverent so I wonder if you just want to sit down for a moment so for those of you that don't know me I'm uh, Peter a part of the uh, leadership team for New Life I couldn't help but think when we were here two weeks ago that this structure here looks like one of those diving platforms at the Olympics And I was sitting up in the balcony because we were full up down here. And I thought, wouldn't it be good if the baptistry was full, right? And I could get up there with my speedos on, right? (laughs) Okay, that's going too far. No, 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 okay. See, I said it was irreverent, didn't I? Um, 
and you know, and sort of stand on, on tiptoes here and sort of do a, a backflip and sort of into. So you got the idea, right? <laughs> yeah. I'm painting that picture. Forget the picture about the speedos. That's not good. Can you imagine the fear that there is for someone like Tom Daly, who is 10 meters up? Now, 10 meters up is about that ceiling height. That's about 10 meters up there. Perhaps where that, that um, just above the lights up there, standing there, waiting to do his thing, either with uh, if he's doing it synchronized, that's even you know, more frightening, I think, but standing there, right on the edge. And I just sense that for some of you, possibly one or two of you here this afternoon, you're standing on the edge, and it's pretty frightening. But the Lord is saying to you, and I believe it's for, for some of you young people that have joined us today, and we are so delighted that you're here, so welcome. For maybe one or two of you, you've got some decisions to make and it's like you're standing on the edge whether you're going to go frontwards or backwards it doesn't matter but until you jump off the edge here until you until you actually until tom daly left the edge he wasn't going to get any points you have to jump off in order to prove that god will be with you so the lord is saying to you this afternoon that even though you're on the edge and it's frightening and it's scary go for it because the Lord is with you and he will give you a 10 out of 10 yeah, let's just ponder there for a moment I don't think he's just for the younger ones either I think there's The rest of us need to know what it is to stand on the edge. Just listen to God. There may be something just stirring in your mind that he's asked you to do. that has been on hold probably for the length of the pandemic. He's now saying, will you? Will you trust me? Will you trust me that the water will be deep enough? Will you trust me even if it's not the right decision that I will work all things for good because I love you? But the biggest thing is I won't love you any the less if you jump and you get it wrong. Let's just stop. Don't be scared of silence.
Father, we just thank you that in the stillness of your presence, we can feel you, we can touch you. Father, we just long to hear from you and you long for us to be obedient. So Father, we just thank you for that picture of standing on the edge and trusting you. Father, continue just to be with us, I pray. Amen. Surround 
some people sitting around a table and there's glasses of water around the table and each person is drinking but there's one person sitting there who won't pick up the glass because they think they're not they don't deserve the water and I just feel that God's saying you do deserve it that's for you that's all for you so pick it up and drink because he's got good things for you thank you Jane okay if you'd like to take a seat we're going to hold all those things. You know, God has a wonderful way of um, bringing words in tapestry, in a tapestry form. You know, we start off that God is here. We're an individual before him. We've got this strange picture, forget about the speedos, of standing on the edge, ready to jump. And then we've got this picture of glasses of water. And feeling unworthy. You know, just hold those. Just hold them. James is going to come and speak to us. There'll be an opportunity, I'm sure, afterwards when we can pray. But let's continue to listen to this personal God who's speaking to you and me personally this morning. James, thanks Paul for worship, leading worship too. Let's just pray for this man before he, before he goes. Father, just thank you for James. Thank you for the word that you've laid on his heart. Father, give us ears to hear what you're saying to us. And give us bravery. <laughs> yeah, let's get rid of the fear to respond to a living God who wants the best for us. We ask it in your name. Amen. Amen. Wonderful. Good to see you all. If you've got a Bible with you, do turn to Psalm 84. That's where we're going to be today. If you're new or visiting for the first time, it's great to see you and um, glad you've joined us, whether you're on holiday or just um, in visiting us this morning. I'm James, one of the leaders here um, at New Life in Beckles. Uh, we've been here for a couple of years now, though it doesn't quite seem it with the pandemic, does it? We moved to Beckles and then the pandemic hit three weeks later and this is our second meeting since, uh, since the pandemic because um, the building we typically use is uh, shut to us at the minute. But really grateful, aren't we, for the Baptist Church who are having us on these afternoons fortnightly. Really glad for that. Um, grand. Um, we're in a series looking at Psalms during the summer. We've got a couple more weeks of that, and then we'll uh, finish that at the end of August. And we're in Psalm 84 today, uh, looking at enjoying the presence of God, which is great to hear some of the prophetic stuff kind of in line with, um, with that. Uh, Psalms is a collection of prayers and poems and uh, songs to God, and they vary in their form, their mode and their style. There's lots of different types of uh, psalms in the collection. And it's important for us as disciples of Jesus, we're learning for him, to learn these different forms and styles of modes of conversation with God, of prayer with him, of worship. Um, it's the nature of relationships, isn't it? It's different styles of conversation that you have with, us, with someone. And as your relationship with them grows and deepens and matures, you learn 
and you grow into different forms of conversation with that person. So if I take, for example, my wife, who's not here today, married to, I've got a wife called Jess um, and two children, Sebastian and Florence. They're away camping. They've abandoned me for uh, the next few days with um, their granny as well. That's why Cheryl's not here with Nigel. Uh, they haven't just abandoned us. They're just on holiday. Um, but when I met Jess, we started off with one form of conversation. We were at an um, 18 to 30s Christian conference that was in Norwich for the weekend. I spotted her and thought my due diligence as somebody who's kind of on the team leading the conferences to go and welcome her and say hi and make sure that she feels comfortable. Sat down at a table with her and her friends and most of the conversation was kind of jovial, surface level, lots of laughing and joking. I remember the conversation really well, trying to chat her up with my best lines. She doesn't remember the occasion. <laughs> and then six or seven years later, Jess and I are both at this youth festival at the Norfolk showgrounds called New Day and I'm serving um, on the coaches, making sure that all the children that go out to do social action and evangelism come back and that we don't lose any. There's a rubbish job. You can only lose in that job. You lose a child, it's a, you haven't done it properly. You get them all back, and they're just like, well, that's what should have happened. So that's what I was doing. And I spotted Jess. Oh, there's that nurse that I met once at that conference. I should get her to do this job I needed to delegate. So I walk up to Jess, and I delegate this job. Most of our conversation is task-oriented. You need to count the ch children on the bus. You need to count them when they get back on the bus at the end of the social action and make sure they arrive safely. And when she arrives back with all the children, I'm doing the task-orientated conversation of, you know, are they all back? Have you ticked all the boxes on the sheet, etc.? And we're having this conversation. I try and move the conversation on, you know, to a different type, you know, and, you know, doing my best. And she's not having any of it. Off she wanders. Oh, nice to see you. And uh, I didn't realise, but the youth girls that were with her said, that bloke was trying to chat you up. She's like, no, he wasn't. Yeah, yes, he was. But it would have been odd, wouldn't it, if my relationship with Jess had just carried on at that level. If all of our conversation from that point onwards, because I met her another year later, um, at a leadership conference, I spotted her from a distance, noticed that she knew a mate of mine, and I went to my mate, I said, could I go out for a drink with that girl? You could put us in touch, that'd be a safe way of going for a drink. And she thankfully agreed and then married me many <laughs> months later. But it would have been odd if we'd married and still our only types of conversation were a kind of jovial, joking around, surface level fun and task orientated. We need to do this, this and this. Can you tick those boxes, please? It would be really odd, wouldn't it? When you mature in a relationship with somebody, your relationship grows, you learn different ways of talking to one another. In a marital relationship, you learn not just the task orientated and the planning and the jovial and the fun, but the intimate and the loving. You learn to say sorry a lot and things like that. You learn different types of conversation. It's true in our relationship with others, and it's true in our relationship with God. Maturing in our relationship with him means learning different styles and modes and forms of conversation, of prayer, and of worship. So I'll have prayers of confession, prayers of thanksgiving of corporate intercession where we're all calling out to God for something. Prayers of supplication where we're asking things of God. There's different types of worship, liturgical where we're declaring truth or there's battle where we're kind of like battling in worship. There's a, a kind of devotional and a commissioning type of worship where we're committing ourselves to God. And today we're having a look at in Psalm 84 the type of worship and prayer where we're just simply enjoying God's presence. There's no other agenda. 
There's no getting the task done. There's just, we're just with him. Just spending time with him. Enjoying him for who he is. Building intimacy with him. And that being the purpose. Uh, so let's uh, read the psalm together. Psalm 84. It starts like this. To the choir master, according to the Gittith, um, a psalm of the sons of Korah. It says, How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts. My soul longs, yes, faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh sing for joy to the living God. Even the sparrows find a home and the swallow a nest for herself where she may lay her young at your altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. Blessed are those who dwell in your house, ever singing your praise, Selah. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, in whose heart are the highways to Zion. As they go through the valley of Baca, and they make it a place of springs, the early rain also covers it with pools. They go from strength to strength. Each one appears before God in Zion. O Lord, God of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear, O God of Jacob, Selah. Behold our shield, O God. Look on the face of your anointed. For a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord bestows favour and honour. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, blessed is the one who trusts in you. And as you read this, I don't know if this question runs through your mind. It ran through mine as I was reading it. Is this hope or is this reality? So is this psalm saying, your presence is so good, God, I wish I could be there? hoping, or is it reality? Is the psalmist saying, your presence is so good, God, and I'm glad I'm here? Which is it? Is it, how lovely is your dwelling place? I long to be there. Even sparrows and swallows are there. Please let me be there too. I'll even be a doorkeeper if I have to. Or is the psalmist saying, how lovely is your dwelling place? My heart sings. It's so good to be here. Even sparrows and swallows get to be here too. So blessed is it to be here, even if it's just as a doorkeeper as I am. Which is it? It makes a big difference, doesn't it, to how we engage with God. Are we hoping for something that's not really the case? Or are we acknowledging something that's a reality already? It makes a difference how we engage with God when we're worshipping him, like we just did. And it makes a difference in our prayer. And the answer is in the strange bit at the beginning of the psalm, which when I was preparing this, I almost missed out, because it's it looks like the intro and insignificant, but it's in the original Hebrew. And I think it answers that question. It says, firstly, to the choir master. Choir master was the one who led corporate singing in the temple. And it's described in the song, this kind of corporate worship to God in the Old Testament temple. That was the place where God's presence dwelt. It's where he lived. It's where he was. It's where people went to meet with him. His presence was behind the curtain in the place called the Holy of Holies. It was where heaven met earth. Heaven behind the curtain where God's presence was and the rest of the temple being earth. Secondly, it says, 
according to the Gittith, now Gittith is like a liturgical or a musical term, i.e. this song was meant to be used in those moments of gathered sung worship in the temple. And then the third clue is, of the sons of Korah. If you look back in 1, Corinthians, uh, 1 Chronicles 26, it tells us that the sons of Korah are doorkeepers. They're gatekeepers of the temple. And they're written by doorkeepers who are saying, I'd rather be a temple doorkeeper, as I am, than live in tents with wicked people. I.e., this psalm is written by people who are already in the presence of God. They're in the temple, even as doorkeepers, grateful to be in his presence. They're looking at the beauty of God. They're amazed by him. And they're saying, I'm so blessed to be here. They're enjoying the presence of God there and then. And so therefore, this psalm is basically saying, how lovely is your dwelling place, God. My heart sings. It's so good to be here. Even sparrows and swallows get to be here too. So blessed to be in your presence, even if it's just as a doorkeeper. A day here in your presence is better than a millennia elsewhere. He's talking about reality, not a hope. It's not wishing to be in God's presence one day. It's acknowledging the reality that they are already in his presence. Uh, But we don't uh, worship in the Old Testament temple, do we? We're not, we're not kind of organising a pilgrimage to go to Jerusalem. The temple's been destroyed. So where is God's presence right now? In the Old Testament, God literally dwelt in the, in the temple. It was his address. If you were sending him a postcard, you'd put temple in Jerusalem. Off it goes. It arrives at where he is. It's where he lived, where heaven met earth, separated by the curtain in the temple. But when Jesus died, you might remember... The curtain was torn in two. And it symbolised that God's presence is no longer behind the curtain in the Holy of Holies, but God is available to everyone, everywhere, at any moment. That the presence of God is no longer behind the curtain, but available to everyone who puts their trust in God and has received forgiveness for their sins through Jesus dying on the cross in their place. And not just for those who go to the Jerusalem temple. And then you get a few weeks later, Pentecost has happened. Jesus has ascended into heaven, told them to wait in Jerusalem. And he says, wait there, I'll send my Holy Spirit. And so they're waiting in this room and it says, when the day of Pentecost arrived, they're all together in one place. Suddenly, there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind and it filled the entire house. It filled the place where they were. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Just as God had filled behind the curtain, now he was filling them in the room, filling the room and filling them as people. And Peter links that event to a prophecy in Joel where Joel says, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. He says this has been realised. God is now no longer just filling people like Moses and David and so on. The Lord is filling everyone. He'll pour out my, he'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. And so um, the early church leaders uh, begin saying things like um, Stephen does before he's martyred. He says, the Most High doesn't dwell in houses made by hands. And then Paul writes things like, don't you know that you are God's temple and God's spirit dwells in you? Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit? He calls us in Ephesians members of the household of God. 
refers to us as like a temple, a household of God, built on the foundations of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus being the cornerstone, and in whom the whole structure is being joined together, one on top of the other, like a building, bricks in a temple. And then he says it grows, we grow into a holy temple in the Lord, being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. The dwelling place of God is here and now with his people. Elsewhere, he writes, we're the temple of the living God. And he uses an Old Testament passage to say, I will make my dwelling among them and walk among them. Peter writes, you yourselves are like living stones being built up as a spiritual house. So now God's dwelling place is here, right now, right here, in this room. He's in you and he's in I. We are his dwelling places in his church, in his people. We don't have to go to the Jerusalem, thankfully, <laughs> to go and experience his presence. We can experience his presence right here, right now, when we're gathered together. It's not elsewhere, it's here. And so we can sing how good it is to be in God's presence right now, rather than hoping we might be there one day. We can celebrate that through Christ, his presence is with us. And we can sing songs that sound like verse 4 in this passage, which says, Blessed are those who dwell in your house ever singing your praises. We're those people, how blessed it is to be gathered together singing your praises. And we know that even more now, don't we, now that we've been separated for 17 months and not been able to do it. And so we can sing songs like this. There's nothing worth more that could ever come close. No thing can compare your our living hope, your presence, Lord. Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. Come fill this place, come fill this atmosphere. Your glory, God, is what our hearts long for, to be overcome by your presence, Lord. Or as we'll sing later, some, some classics. Be still, for the power of the Lord is moving in this place. He comes to cleanse us and heal us, to minister his grace. No work to be done here in us is too hard for him. In faith, receive him. When you stood on the 10 meter platform, have faith and receive everything from him that he wants to do in you. Don't fear. Jesus says, the thing he says most often is, do not be afraid. Because his presence is here and it's to do us good. And we'll sing to be in your presence to sit at your feet when your love surrounds us and makes us complete. This is our desire, O oh Lord, to rest in your presence, not rushing away, but to cherish each moment. Here I would stay. This is my desire, O oh Lord. I don't know if you've like, ha had that feeling where you've been apart for somebody for so long, maybe like a spouse or a good friend, and you just want to spend time with them. You haven't really got any other agenda than you just want to see them, to not rush. So Jess and I are really looking forward to a holiday in a week or so. We're going to go and camp in a field with basic facilities. I can't wait. Because <laughs> there'll be no rushing away. 
We'll just get to cherish the moment of being sat together, enjoying time as a family. You might be wondering, why then is it, if God's presence is a reality, he is here, then why is it that we pray and ask for God's presence to be with us? Why is it that we sing about it? What's the point of that if it's already reality? If God's already like living within us, we're his dwelling place, then why bother singing and praying about it? What's the point? If it's already true, why do we need to try and experience and ask God to help us experience that truth? Well, the first thing is that the psalmist does it. The son of Korah is in the temple as a doorkeeper, and yet he is writing this psalm saying how good it is to be in the presence of the Lord, asking, praying to him, singing to him. And it's how you and I are to respond as well, to pray to God and ask for his presence to be an experienced reality, not just a truth we kind of intellectually know. So we're in the present, while we're in the pres- always in the presence of God, we need to sing and ask for God's presence to be experienced. Why is that? Because there's a difference between being present and being experienced as present. And I'll give you a couple of examples to kind of like pull out the difference. You'll know this if you've ever been pranked by people who are present in the room, but you're not aware of it, and then they jump out at you, and then you suddenly are aware of it. Like I'm walking downstairs the other day, and my children are rubbish at jumping out of me because they're only three and four, and they're doing this. (laughs) And I can hear them from a mile away, and I have to do that thing where I'm coming down the stairs all sleepy, trying to keep my feet. And they jump out at me, and I go, ooh, got me there. But this one time, I'm rubbish in the mornings. I'm dozy as anything, coming down the stairs, just trying to stay on my feet. And they jump out at me, and I'm, ooh. You know that moment where your heart feels like it's left its body? And you're like, ooh kind of taken aback and you just sit down on the steps just to recover for a second. Really grateful that they played that prank on me. See, my children in that moment were present. They were always present. And the truth was they were always there. But then, bang, I experienced them as present. And if you've had that moment, you know that there's a significant difference between walking gently down the steps and they're present and suddenly, bang, they're experienced as present. And that's because there are different levels of presence, aren't there? I have this, like, let me use an example of spending time with my son. It's called Sebastian, he's four years old. Sometimes we're present in the same room. He's buzzing around the room, charging around with all his energy, and I'm doing my best to ignore it because I'm trying to chill out. And I'm reading pink and like football Norwich City news I'm wondering if we've like managed to sign anybody yet and he's buzzing around the room I'm present in the room with him but it's not a very good level of presence he knows I'm there but we're not really engaging with one another take it to the next level Sebi says daddy can we go out on the pitch we've got a big football pitch outside the back of our back garden we go out there and we're kicking the ball to one another he's running at me and rugby tackling me and all the rest of it we're present with one another having fun there's a good level of presence, but there's more intimate pre- like levels, aren't there? Another level, we're sat after that. He's completely exhausted himself and ready for bed. We're sat on the sofa, reading a book together. We're cuddled up. I'm tickling him, trying to wear him out even more. 
and we're all snuggled up watching something on TV or reading a book. And then there's another level, isn't there, where he'll say something like, Dad, I love you. And he'll give me a kiss and wrap his arms around me and hug me. And that's an altogether different type of presence, isn't it? Where we're really present with one another, enjoying each other to another level. And it's the same in our relationship with God. There are different levels of presence, of intimacy in our relationship with him. He's always present, but sometimes, frankly, you turn up to church on a Sunday afternoon or you're in house group or you're going about your daily business and you're not really aware of it. Maybe you just kind of missed out spending time with him in the morning and he's just out of your mind. You're not really thinking about him. Um, You've got your mind on other things. But there's other times, isn't there, when his presence is like the most tangible thing in the room and there's like there's nothing else that's important except for being present with him. Uh, having those moments where you're significantly aware that there is a God in heaven who loves you and you can feel it right there, right then. Another example. On, on the way here, we all walked through water. I didn't know this, but apparently 1% of air is made of water. Um, I found out in my research. 1% of air is made of water. But later on in the evening, when it gets cool, it will drop to the ground and become dew. It was always there in the air, but when the temperature cools, it lays on the ground, and if you step out into your garden with only socks on, you'll know about it, and you'll experience that water that was in the air for yourself, and your feet will get wet. And it's the same with God. God is always present in the atmosphere. He's everywhere. He's in us all the time. He's in others. But when we pray and worship, when we cool ourselves down, when we stop, and take our mind off other things and stop thinking about what's next in the day or what the week beholds or what happened this morning that's got us rattled. We cool ourselves down. We can experience the presence of God. He was always there, but now we experience him in reality. We experience him as present. We don't just intellectually know he's here. We tangibly experience him being here. One final example. Um, recently, we moved house a few months ago, and in our kitchen was this perfectly formed hole for a fridge freezer to go in. And so we bought a fridge freezer to go in this hole. We got the fridge freezer delivered. We tried to push it into the gap, and we realized there was an electric plug sticking out of the wall at the back of the hole. And so when we pushed it in, it stuck out by about this much. Oh, great. We've got to move that plug and move it somewhere else in the house. It's a grade two listed building, so we were like, do we need to get planning permission to move a plug socket and all of this? Eventually, it worked out. We don't need to. And we've uh, got some friends in the house group called Doug and Amanda. Many of you know them. And I knew Doug, and I've known him for quite a while now, but I never knew that Doug was actually an electrician because he had one of those jobs where he told me what it was and I had no idea what he meant. <laughs> and so whilst I've known him for a long time, I haven't really know what he's capable of. But it turns out that Doug is, in fact, an electrician. And I hadn't experienced Doug the electrician because I'd never asked Doug to do an electrician-type job for me. But when we told him, oh, it's a real pain, we've had this fridge delivered, and it turns out it's not going to fit in this gap, and it is the only place this new fridge that's been bought for us can go. Otherwise, we're going to have to send it back and lose 
some of our money. And then there at that moment, Doug's like, I can move that socket. He comes around, does some electrician stuff, drilling, you can tell I don't know anything about it. Moves some wires, drills some holes, big bang bosh. Plug's no longer there, it's out here on the wall. Fridge goes in very snugly, straight into the hole, brilliant. And I didn't know that Doug was an electrician before, but when I called on him to be who he was, Doug the electrician with lots of years of electrician experience, I experienced the benefit of knowing him as such. Jacob has this experience with God in Genesis 28. He has a dream and he wakes up and he says, surely the Lord is in this place and I did not know it. How awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. And I could have said, surely there was an electrician in this place all along and I did not know it. And it's like that with God. Surely, surely he was always here, but I didn't always know it. And yet, he's in this very place now. This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. And that happens with God. It's kind of sung about here in verse 11. Um, the psalmist says, For the Lord God is a sun and shield. Lord God is a sun. You know, like when you're lying on the beach, just enjoying the sun, and you can feel the warmth of it. The Lord is a sun. Sometimes you can just feel the warmth of his presence. You can know that he loves you, and you're experiencing it tangibly. And the Lord is a shield. He's a protector. He's one who guards us. But if we don't know that, and we aren't calling on him to do it, then we don't get the benefit of experiencing him as such. So unless we're actually saying, Lord, this is what you are like. God, this is how you are and who you've claimed to be in the pages of scripture, then we don't get to experience the benefit of actually knowing him tangibly as the God he claims to be. So just as like donkeys years ago, you would have, rather than clicking on the internet and finding a tradesman or getting a recommendation from a friend, you'd have opened the yellow pages called the tradesman and said, hello, Mr. Gutterer, please come and do my guttering. Come and prove that you are who you claim to be in these yellow pages. And in the same way, we open up the pages of scripture, of the Bible, and we say, God, this is who you claim to be. Come and be present with me now. Help me experience the reality of who you are. And so uh, let's think just for a minute, just as I finish, about how we do that. Uh, a couple of principles. The uh, first one is a quote from Martin Lloyd-Jones who says this, always respond to every impulse to pray. Always respond to every impulse to pray. Often, like out of nowhere, you can just be going about your day, can't you? And you get this nudge of the spirit, just kind of suddenly something pops into your mind and frankly, normally, that would never normally pop into your mind. And yet it does. Respond to it. Because God wants to meet us in the everyday all the time. There are things he wants us to pray about. Even if we just stop and go, Lord, thank you that you love me. Thank you for your, that your presence is with me. It doesn't have to take a long time. But respond to the impulse and urges of the Spirit to pray. The second thing is uh, to sing the song beyond the song. Um, 
I'm pretty convinced that God uh, melts even more than I do when my children pray. We do bedtime. One of the best things about being a dad of little ones is bedtime prayers and story, you know, reading stories and talking about the day. And uh, Florence is only three. We're just teaching her to pray at the minute. So Florence, what do you want to say thank you, Jesus, for? She goes, thank you, Jesus, for me unicorn. Thank you, Jesus, for whoever was the, her favorite person from the day. Thank you, Jesus, for granny. Thank you, Jesus, for so-and-so. And I can imagine that God upstairs is not... Upstairs, sorry. I imagine God is not going... Um, you know what? That was a good effort, Florence, but um, it wasn't very long uh, or articulate, and um, there weren't many Bible references in there, um, but it was a good try. I imagine he is loving hearing his child's voice. He's not going, that wasn't very sophisticated, maybe try that again, and I'll listen. He enjoys hearing his child speak to him and speak to him from the heart, telling him the things that she is actually grateful for, like unicorns that you can inflate and jump on. They're like the best thing in the world, so she says, thank you for them. He's not going, actually, that's not that important. He's going, he loves to hear her voice, loves to hear her speaking to him. And God loves it when we speak our words from our own hearts to him. It's great that we've got these really good songs written for us, to help us engage with God, help us to declare truth about him, help us to engage with him. But we always got to sing the song beyond the song. He loves to hear what our hearts are actually feeling, how we are actually towards him. He wants us to hear our own praise. And I don't know about you, but in those moments, sometimes like the band will carry on playing instrumentally and then some of us will start singing out. I don't know if you've ever had that feeling where you're sat, stood... In a, in a worship moment and you're kind of, everyone's starting to do that and you're like, oh, I've got nothing. <laughs> what am I meant to sing? Well, this is going to be a bit lame. And all these things start going through, what if the person next to me hears how rubbish my song is going to be? Well, I, don't, I dare not pray out loud, it's going to be a really naff prayer. And all of these things start tumbling through your head and then you realise, just this is my father, he loves me, He loves to hear my voice, and even if it's thank you, Jesus, for my unicorn, he's going to be really delighted in that. And often what I do is I'll do things like steal other people's lines. This person back here is really fluent. They're off. They're obviously having a really good time with God, and I'm like, oh, that was a good line. I'll sing that one and get At least that will get me going. Because God's not looking for sophistication. He's not expecting me to be a psalm writer. (laughs) He's expecting, what he wants to do is he wants to engage with me. He wants to meet with me. He's my father. He loves me. He loves being with me. He loves to hear my voice. So in a moment when we're worshipping, and maybe they're just playing instrumentally, just lift up your voice to the Lord yourself. It doesn't have to be sophisticated. It doesn't have to be the best written psalm. It doesn't have to be something we're singing next week up on the screen because it was so articulate. It just needs to be your heart towards the Lord, enjoying his presence, just being with him without any agenda, other than the fact acknowledging he's your father in heaven, he loves you, and he's made it very clear in Jesus. Uh, Do the band want to come back up? And uh, we're going to do that in a second. The psalm gives us a really good example of this as well. Verse 11, I I read it already. Um, For the Lord God is a sun and shield. 
that we feel the warmth of his presence like the sun on a beach day. He's our shield. He protects us against the enemy who tries to split us from his presence. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. God's generous. He's our father. He's good and he's generous towards us. And it says, O Lord of hosts, blessed is the one who trusts in you, is the one who jumps from the 10-meter platform. Shall we stand and get ready to worship God together? I'll just pray and then we're going to sing this song, To Be In Your Presence. Paul, do you want to start playing and then I'll uh, pray and then we'll sing in a moment. Father God, we thank you that you're here with us right now. We thank you that we're living in days where we don't need to travel to Jerusalem to experience your presence, but we thank you that you have filled us with your spirit. You've called us your new temple. We're your dwelling place. We thank you your desire as our Father is to be with us. You long to be with us. You have chosen to be with us, to make your dwelling place with us and amongst us. We thank you that you're a son, that as we feel the warmth of the sun on our skin, so we can feel the warmth of your presence with us. We thank you that you long for us just to enjoy you with no agenda, not rushing on to do the next thing today, but just stopping in this moment. We thank you that you delight for us just to be with you, to enjoy you, to know you as you are. We thank you that through Christ you have promised that you will always be with us until the end of the age. So we pray, Lord God, come now. We want to be in your presence. We want to sit at your feet. Would you send your presence to let us know your love surrounds us? This is our desire, O oh Lord, to rest in your presence, not rushing away, but cherishing each moment. This is where we will stay, Lord, because this is our desire to know you and enjoy you. is 
Thank you, Lord, that um, your power is moving in this place. Your desire is to cleanse and to heal. Your desire is to minister grace to us, where we feel we cannot go on, where life is too much, where we don't feel like we have everything for every day. We thank you that your desire is by your presence to give us grace for each day. We thank you that there is nothing ahead of us that is too hard for you. We thank you that in faith we can receive everything we need in life from you. Thank you for this time, Lord, just to spend enjoying your presence. We love you and it's our desire to know you. Better is one day in your presence than millennia without you. Amen. Our desire is to be with you and to know you and to enjoy you, Lord. We'll start with the chorus, actually, as James has just said, better is one day in your courts, if Joe can put up the chorus of the final song, um, how lovely is your dwelling place, we'll start with better is one day in your courts, if I can get the right note, better is one day in your courts, better is one day in your house, better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere, better is one day in your courts, better is one day in your house. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. And again, better is one day in your courts. Better is one day in your house. Better is one day in your courts than thousands elsewhere. Better is one day in your courts. Better is one day in your house. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. How lovely. How lovely is your dwelling place, O oh Lord Almighty, my 
so good and he wants to bless us all you guys who are who need to jump if you need prayer then we'll push you um, no <laughs> I don't mean that we'll encourage you to jump into the presence of God because it's worth it it really is I've got this burning thing on my heart is there anybody here who needs to respond to the love of God is there anybody, just stick a hand up, is there anybody that needs to say, God, I've never experienced you in that way, I need to this afternoon? No? Then that's fine. If it is, come and see me afterwards. But Father, we just thank you for your presence. We thank you for your love. We thank you, Lord, that you don't want us to sit in armchairs and grow old, but you want to use us. And Father, you want us to to still jump at our age. You know, Father, you want us to jump. And Father, I pray that each one of us, as you talk to us and speak to us, Father, we'll know what it is to jump into a loving Father's arms and experience your goodness. Amen? Amen. Amen. Okay, guys, thank you very much. 
if you'd like to leave by the exit ASAP so people can come in and clean up for us, that'll be great. But if you need prayer, please grab one of us. I was Nigel, I am part of the leadership team, and God bless you. <laughs>